Hi guys, welcome to this episode of the Trainer Feed. We got um, a special guest. Um, I think Jacques was able to get one of his buddies from across the pond, uh, Jonathan, Coach Jonathan Dick. Um, but before we get into kind of like questions and stuff like that, let's see how everybody's doing. Jacques, how you doing? I'm good, man. Had a pretty had a pretty sick week. I'll um, actually on Monday. I had a shoot, I had a, like a video shoot for Equinox, which I'll probably tell you in more detail at the end of, or oh, after we've had John on. And it was, no, dude, it was a good experience. And it was like actually pretty straightforward. Here, so. here we go. All right. <laughs> All right, David, how you doing? David, how wait, are you? Wait, so are you going to come up? Are you going to be on those? Um, I'm going to be on those well, videos. Like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, God. But guess oh, what? I've got walk. a mask on. See what I know it's even me. <laughs> okay. We going to know it's you. I'm going to walk by and be like, oh, my God, it's him. And then, a dumbass walk. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Um, oh, sorry. Pardon my David, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I uh, had a chill day. Nothing crazy. I got an early workout in. Uh, did some shopping that I needed to do, and now I'm home. I took a nap earlier, so that was pretty nice. I didn't even know I took a nap. I woke up, I'm like, oh shit, uh, two o'clock. Took a nap. <laughs> no, I took. I, it was like one thirty. I'm like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, no, pretty chill. No, no plans this weekend. So good stuff, Angel. Yeah, what about you, man? How you been? Been good. You know, did a little cookout action. Uh, going to the botanical garden, and all that stuff. So. So it's been like uh, the summer in the city as it's winding down. Yeah. It's kind of good weather right now, though. I feel like like yesterday was humid. It's horrible. It's so nasty. But today it's like the complete polar opposite where it's like nice and breezy in the 70s. So it's a good time for coming. But but yeah, so I'd have uh, Jonathan Dick is a T-Rex coach at the Equinox in, uh, in London at South Kensington. And I've just been fortunate to meet him a couple of times when I've gone over there. And uh, yeah, excited to have him on. So, hey Jacques, you're from London. I actually, I'm born in London. Yep. Those never, of you never would have known. Everyone, everyone in the US, is like, so how's London? I'm like, you mean what about the rest of the country or London, London, fucking London? So that's that's where I'm born. But like, um, in South Kensington is actually the area where I was born as well. So oh, it just happens oh, to be. Shit. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Don't ask me what happened. But all right, my bad. All right. Nah, cool. it wasn't my doing. But... This guy. <laughs> oh. So yeah. <laughs> All right, let's bring him on. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Good, 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 good. So this is so jonathan this is angel and david my co-workers and co-hosts that i work with on the upper west side in new york city hey guys how you doing what's up man how are you how's it going not too bad been a long day at work but nice to be here with you guys yeah we appreciate you drawing on i know i asked you like very last minute so we appreciate you being flexible and jumping on and it's 7 p.m right yeah what time is over there seven o'clock yeah it's about five past seven it's Perfect timing, and I actually couldn't be happier to be on here and like actually get to catch up with you, Jack. Nice, yeah, looking forward to it, man. I feel like I had, I think I bumped into you last summer at the club, like for like five, ten minutes, and I actually yeah. have plans to be back in the UK for another wedding this summer, but obviously everything happened, so I wasn't yeah. able to come over. But how, yeah, how have things been? I know the lockdown has been 
somewhat similar, but like you guys close a little after us and then you kind of open bef- open back up before us? Like, how's it been? Uh, well, I mean, we, I think, what was it? March 16th was the Monday. Yeah. Was when we kind of started hearing the, like, the big, it was a big spread of COVID and coronavirus across like the Western hemisphere. And then that night we got the email that all the gyms were closing. So on the Tuesday, a few of us went back in to get our stuff. And that was the last time we saw each other like in person up until I think June when they said you could have like small, you could have like gatherings in the park and be socially distant. And that's when we started, that's when we probably all caught up as more of a team and about at least half of us got together in the, in the park near the gym. But then we didn't actually get back into the gym until the end of July. So the 25th. Wow. So we had a a good like four months stint of being out. Wow! At least you got oh. your stuff back when they when we when we shut down. <laughs> we when we shut down, I said oh, I'll, I'll shut down for a couple for like a month. I didn't, I didn't see my stuff for what five months, six oh, months later. Months. Yeah, no, I made sure to like we were we were like just clearing out the club to try and like clear out offices and help out with some of that stuff, like the admin side of it. So we thought we'd clear out some of the stuff from the lockers that we could. Um, but then, yeah, like when you go back in, when we went back in for reopening for the managers, it was, it felt so strange being back and seeing the club. Like, I mean, it felt like only yesterday that we'd been in there, but knowing that four months had gone by and not a single weight had been touched, not like none of the change rooms had been used, hadn't been going to the lounge, the studios hadn't been used. It just kind of felt like slightly surreal. And I think it still felt very surreal during the entire, like the entirety of lockdown, knowing that I can't believe the world is at a standstill, basically. And I mean, our world anyway, because in the UK, uh, we weren't able to do any training for clients because the company had been furloughed. And as part of, as part of that, we couldn't. Um, so all the trainers were, we were just kind of lost for like what to do and, uh, staying in touch with each other, like staying staying in touch, doing Zoom calls together, and like WhatsApp and chats like that, always helped. And you saw people doing sort of Instagram live workouts. I did a couple for um, a friend of mine who runs a Spa Concierge service. I saw that. That was what was it? A spa Concierge service. You so, said? He, so a friend of mine runs a runs a company with a friend of hers called Spa Porter London. Uh huh. They have a sort of constant, they have a portable spa service where somewhere a therapist will come to you to do nails, uh, manicure, pedicure, massage, etc., like that. And she started out from opening up a nail bar near uh, in sort of Kensington area and expanded. And she just asked me if I would do like a half an hour class on Instagram Live. Uh, once, uh, and then I got a they invite me back and I did a couple. and it was good fun. It was nice. It was very odd being in front of a camera when I'm so used to one-to-one in-person in-person training. And like the only sessions I had done had been with my dad in the back garden. So I did most of my lockdown at my parents' house um, and with my brother-in-law and my sister. 
So to do that and speaking to my phone whilst it's on Instagram was a challenge at first. And then afterwards, it, it got a little better. Because I know Angel had done at least one live workout, right? And can you testify in saying that it's, you obviously, like, you see yourself, but you don't know how the other people are doing or like how they're responding, like, and you can't see their form, right? Like that's angel. Is it kind of the same? Yeah. I, I remember, I think that was when it first happened or something like that. I think me and Georgine kind of linked up. She wanted to do a program for running and we did that together. We collaborated and first and foremost, like I didn't even know how to operate like IG live or anything <laughs> like that. So I was like, I don't, she, she was texting me. She was like, I don't know how to get you into this. And I was like, I don't know either, but you just join <laughs> for those listening. You just join and then the person selects you or what have you. Um, but it, it is odd. It is a little bit strange. Um, it's, it's definitely a learning curve, but you do what you can. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like that first split second, my brother-in-law was behind the, behind the camera, like looking at his phone. And I was like, you can actually physically see me say like, am I live yet? Oh, <laughs> oh like, I see. Like, yeah. Like flashing on my phone. I'm not looking at, I'm looking at him going, am I live yet? <laughs> Cause like, I've seen people yeah. also start like when they, when they post their video, it's the first two seconds, five, 10 seconds of being like, I think I'm live. And it doesn't allow you to cut off the five seconds of oh, you figuring out. Right. Yeah. No, not at all. It's just kind of like you go live, there's a pause and you don't really know whether it's going on or not. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Good job, Instagram. Yeah. Thanks. You guys really set me up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I've spoken to you a little bit about your career and stuff, but I want to say everyone's listening. So can you tell us a bit about your path into the fitness industry and kind of how that came about? Uh, well, the short version is uni, law school, finance, Equinox. The expanded version is just kind of like a very long, one of those where your path, in, your path towards your fitness goal will never be linear. It'll be all kinds of like back and forth. My path into the industry was like that. Uh, so I went to university at Loughborough to uh, study international relations with like the goal of ending up in finance um, and investment banking because it was all I'd ever known. I didn't turn in those in that industry my dad had worked in that industry for years and it was kind of where i thought my head was going uh i came out of university unsuccessful with my applications and decided to sit the rest of the year out and apply for law school so in the uk it's possible to do a like law conversion so the three-year undergraduate degree in one year and then go straight into um, like your LPC, which would be your solicitor's course. So I did that. So basically spent two years at law school, got my law degree, finished my LPC with an eye to going to more in-house legal in, within finance. Like I, I didn't think really being in a law firm, having done internships was where I wanted to be because the internships I'd done, it was very much like, I'm going to sit here looking at my computer and the person who I'm junior to is going to be behind me looking at the back of my head just passing stuff over to me and I was like the intimacy and all of that even work didn't really interest me I liked doing the research side of it and researching into law and that was interesting uh, but like just the intimacy and the whole thing like didn't really work out for me uh, and I ended up in in finance eventually um, 
in, when was it? July, 2011. So it was a period where I was just part-timing and interning, trying to get in. Uh, various offers had been made and then pulled out because of the financial crisis um, kind of kicking back again. Uh, so I ended up in, in the finance industry in 2011. I was there for two and a half years. Again, kind of stagnated, like there wasn't really a lot of business going on. It was hard to break through, uh, like repercussions from the financial like recession and impact on previous years had really taken its toll. Um, so I was still training, I was still playing a lot of sport and I just, you know what, I'm gonna do my PT certifications to broaden my own knowledge. Um, so I did that went over a period of 18 months. I eventually left the industry in December, 2013. I the following January, I did my NSCA, uh, CSCS before finishing up my PT qualifications in the UK. Um, so I went to a university testing center to do the CSCS certification. That was the January finish up certification in March. I'd sent all my CV and um, letters out to to basically all the gyms in London where I could get a job. I was interning uh, in an athletic development center locally to me, were um, basically doing three classes a week with kids very early morning before school, just giving them sort of basic SNC work. You know, kids 11 to 13 doing more body weight work. 13 to 15, getting starting to get a little bit more into some of the basic movements, but only staying training weights. And then the mm-hmm. 16 and 17, the guys who are going to potentially be playing regional, national level sport in their age group, starting to get a bit more specific. Uh, and then the August 2014, I joined Equinox and the rest is history. And then that was the, was that the only club in London at the time? Yeah. The only Equinox club, right? Yeah. So Kensington had opened October 2012. Oh, okay. I'd known about it from my time in finance and I was like, oh, I can't believe that is coming from London. So I'd, I'd kind of thought about it. And said, oh, I wish I could be a member there. Mm-hmm. But it was nowhere near where I lived and it was hard to get to and a bit out of my price range as a member. But like when I, uh, like I threw my CV out there on a whim, like I was just kind of like by April, sent my CV in a cover letter. I got a phone call. I got an email from HR in June and then I got a phone call from, uh, our PT manager, whilst I was on holiday in Greece with my family, and my mom's banging on the door. We're going to dinner. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing a job interview right now <laughs> on, on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. But then, like, yeah, as I said, August 2014, it was the only club uh, in London at the time. We opened St James in 2016, like the December 2016, um, and that took a while. And then like, we just opened Bishop's Gate last December. So we're now three clubs. Yeah, three I didn't even know a third one opened. Yeah, it opened just in uh, December. Like I remember December. I remember the first one was a big deal. When the first club opened, I think yeah. I was still at the – because I, I worked at the front desk in the beginning while I was in college. And then when they opened in London, it was kind of a big deal right before I became a trainer. And there was a lot of talk about the need for trainers over there. I mean, when they first opened, you know especially for it being Equinox. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, I Obviously, I'd learned by being in there that a lot of the companies and a lot of the clubs, sorry, a lot of the clubs are grown from within, which is great. Like that, okay, we give you an opportunity to relocate and help out here and start a new club, which is such a fantastic opportunity. And 
And then I met, when I joined, I met um, Joe Mears, who's one of our T-Rex coaches over at Arsene James's club. He was actually um, brought over. I believe he was at Tyson's Corner. Um, and then he came over to London uh, to be part of the team to set up, doing all the interviews, setting up the original uh, training team in London. Uh, and then we had obviously, and I think uh, we had a couple of manager come over from the US as well to set up the team. Gentry Long, who's our regional VP, obviously was GMing the club. Uh, he now oversees all of London and some of the E clubs as well. Then most of the guys who have been uh, who have been in the club are there's a few who are from the original training team still. Uh, wow, and still own since. And I know there's a couple of guys that were. I want to feel like we had a regional manager at one point who overlooked like three clubs in Upper West Side, and then the and then the South Kensington Club, right? I want yeah. right. Yeah, so, so London used to be part of the New York region. Yeah, the East was because I know you've got so many clubs in New York now. It used to be like New York broken up into separate bits, and yeah. then it was attached to one of those. Yeah, they opened up St James. They redid, they rejigged the regions, and we got attached to Boston. Oh, really? So you're still attached to the Boston? Yeah. Oh, okay. I would have thought you would, London would have its own region, right? If you have a regional manager that just lives London based, and that be that, but. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we do, I mean, we have like a London region, um, like within ourselves, but I think we're part, to keep us attached to HQ and then intact with what's going on in the US, we have, we're part of a, a smaller group as well. Got it. Oh, they have their ways. Um, yeah. I did want to pivot towards what your adjustment, again, we mentioned how you did like some live workouts on Instagram. Like what was your adaptation, if you will, to the lockdown, right? Like how did your business look? Like what were things you did differently? Like I know I follow you on social media, so I kind of saw some of the habits, but if you can tell us our listeners, like what were some really key things for you to keeping habits and to keep pushing through that lockdown? Well, I mean, I, I have to admit, I had a very, I was very fortunate with my lockdown. Uh, I was able to relocate to my parents' house uh, which is outside of London, where they have a uh, like a pretty decent sized back garden. I had plenty of space. My brother-in-law, my sister, and my nephew were there. My nephew's now about to turn one, so I spent a lot of time with him. Where I hadn't seen him a lot before um, because of work commitments, and I was able to really reconnect and re-establish my roots with my family and spend the, like most time I've been at home since I graduated university. God knows how many years ago. Um, but I did self-isolate the first three weeks um, after being in the gym and knowing that some of the trainers had fallen sick. So I didn't want to run the risk of um, take, potentially taking that back home to my parents and my family. Uh, so I did the first three weeks in my flat in London, uh, of which the first 10 days, I was actually so paranoid I didn't leave my flat. Wow. Uh, I did a, I did a, like, I did a big food shop, everything I needed, household except, um, necessities and things like that, food that I needed. And then like, cause I'm up on the fourth floor, I was literally just using the stairwell for cardio and I had a couple of bits of gym equipment in a heavy kettlebell. I bought a set of parallettes, uh, and a pair of dumbbells and my bands. That was it for me for like the first three weeks training in my living room. Uh, 
and I'd eventually decided, okay, I'm going to go out and get up really early, build a routine around getting up early, going for early morning walks, come back, shower, coffee. We were still working at the time. So I was then on morning phone calls with um, Rob McCabe, who's our other tip, one of our other TRX managers and our regional Justin Jacobs and just kind of talking about business and how we were trying to make sure that we were still paying in touch with clients, uh, doing virtual stuff, trying to push the virtual platform and switch everyone over uh, to that process. So having that routine in the morning really helped me sort of stay in touch uh, with some kind of normality and take my focus off of I'm stuck inside my flat and I can't go anywhere. Um, then eventually we got furloughed and we had to stop working. So I put my efforts into uh, learning Spanish for the first couple of weeks. But then as soon as I moved back to my parents' house, that stopped because it then into <laughs> PTing my nephew and trying to help him learn to crawl and walk. Um, we didn't get to walking, unfortunately. But did How old is your nephew? Uh, he turns one next Saturday. Okay. Because I wasn't sure if you were talking bear crawling or like... I mean, I'm just okay. trying to get him to move on all on hands and knees. At the gotcha. Time. But I mean, he loved. He just loved to roll over. I was just like, okay, I'll take that for the tactic. But he did <laughs> get to, like, standing up and holding onto the side, and like we had this old wagon that I used to have as a kid. My grandparents bought for me, and my mum uh, refurnished it, and he was pushing it around and putting it in. Oh, that's hilarious! That basically, my that became my PT for uh, the next three months like coaching to that's pretty that's that's it yeah that's an interesting client to have right like you never had a client like that before oh yeah i mean you watch how like older clients it's funny how we we always think about the human cycle you start out as a kid you learn to war you learn to crawl war we get to running we get to developing we have full mobility yeah life takes over we're sat down and then as we age we start to regress back mentally and physically um unless we stay on top of training mm-hmm. like that. so it's very interesting then when you can compare like the development and the regression in exactly the same you can see it at both ends of the scale um and then watch and then being able to like watch him do things and explain mm-hmm. it to my sister like what's happening here and why he's doing that and what his uh-huh. progression what his typical progression should be uh-huh um but he is anything but typical. He is very much He's a typical. <laughs> throwing spanners in the works. Cause I think like you touched a really good point on the mobility, which is something that I commonly use in reference to with clients when they talk about, Oh, I used to be mobile or I used to have more flexibility. I want to get it back. And like talking like you just mentioned also with life, life happens, right. And sitting down more often and uh, your body takes shape of the, the patterns or, or like, postures you typically sit in or stand in most of the day and then i always reference like you said like a young infant right like they got the best deep squat right they have that hem ability they just sit there and they could and it's not like a stretch for them it's like they can hang out there right so i'm sure you were seeing those kind of patterns as well oh massively like i was just sit see there like he sat down legs out in front of him sat bolt upright supporting himself and then he would just reach forward and re-grab something in front of his feet and i'm like I'm sure at one point my hamstrings were that long. Like yeah, were, at one point, yeah. My joints could do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's bad to think that they're not. But like speaking on the mobility, like I know so many people who then took on, and like majority of them were all trainers, who then took on like, right, I've got all this time to focus yeah. on training and, yeah. and doing all the things I need. 
Um, the mobility part and the stretching for me came a lot later in lockdown. Uh-huh. The thing that I really nailed was like a sleep routine and my nutrition stayed the same. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mum. Like you probably knew, you probably seen from Instagram. I love cooking anyway. Yeah, you put some nice dishes on there. And maybe you yeah. said, I mean, if it wasn't such a big distance, I'd ask you to send them over, but. Be <laughs> <laughs> surprised how often that happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mom and she decided to set up a, veg- a vegetable patch in our back garden. So she was doing that every day and we'd help, like we'd all help with picking stuff and she cooked like vegetables from there for what we would have. And so that really helped me kind of stay honest with my nutrition. Uh, and then because our routine was based around my nephew in that he gets up at a certain time, he has breakfast, he has his milk, he has a nap. Cool. When he has his morning nap, my dad and I would take him for a walk, come back, I can do my work, I can train. He wakes up, lunchtime for him, he has his milk, lunchtime for us. So it really became very easy to have this daily cycle. Um, and then even when he naps in the afternoon, we all kind of relax and chill out. And then he wakes up again, and that's when it's time for his afternoon PT session. And like it's, it was very easy on that front. Um, so like I said, I've, I've had a very, I was very fortunate with my lockdown experience, but even then, like as surround, as supported as I was and surrounded by my family and people that I love and love me, I'm human at the end of the day and I'm still an individual and I still had my ups and downs, uh, some pretty rough downs at the start and this slow steady increase come back down go up a little bit higher come down and like towards the end i just couldn't shake the feeling that life had been put on hold Mm. that was the thing that was really just sort of kept holding me back and i was just like i've got all these i've done all i did a load of self-work on like mindset coaching and generally like looking in with a bit of self a lot of self-reflection i was like right i've done all this work i want to put it to the test and real life is going to be that test. When we reopen the clubs, we get back in. I'm working with my teams. I'm working with my clients. And it just, up until like mid-July, it seemed like that light was never going to come. Mm. You know, you're never going to reach it. And you're just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to have, yeah, to, start, it's, have to start thinking elsewhere here, you know? Yeah, it's, we, um, that's like some of the conversation. When we first saw this podcast, like we actually initially started this podcast because gyms had closed and we had way more time in our hands. Right. And that's, that's a topic that comes in probably a little less frequently because you've understood that like, it's just when it'll, when it'll happen or happen. Well, we, at least that's some of the mindsets we try and talk about because I think they just only opened the clubs here in New York city, September the 2nd, and they were going to open them in the state at the end of August. And they're like, Oh, New York city, wait one more week. So you know, like it's just been, it's, we, we've had similar thoughts like, all right, what are other things that we can keep ourselves busy with? So like we, we totally resonate with that as well. Like it's been, uh, and again, being in the same company, like it is like, and I, all I'll say is that I was like super jealous. Like, Fuck man, London have already opened. And like, <laughs> they're like getting back to it and you know, but I mean, it's every country's like, like got his own scenario, but what you mean? Like I'd spoken to like, not just you, I'd like to be, I'm, obviously speak with other trainers in the U S from, uh, via Instagram. And it's just kind of like, they're like, Oh, how is it? What is it? Mm. Like, I remember my first work like in, in the reopening week. So all the managers are in and we're trying to prep the club and get reused to the new systems. 
Like I didn't touch a weight in the gym. I didn't touch, I didn't do a workout at all. It was just super busy. It wasn't until I had that first workout back and I post, I remember posting something on Instagram and it was just kind of like <laughs> flooded with like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm so good. And I was like, yeah, like it feels so good, but it's very humbling to like be back and know yeah. that what four months out of that environment can do to you. Huge. Like it's huge. I'd, I'd, by the end of lockdown, I'd accumulated a pair of parallettes, heavy kettlebell, uh, a pair of like 35 pound dumbbells, a pair of 70 pound dumbbells, and a pair of what is probably around 92, 90, 93 pound dumbbells. And like having just that for four months, I, I mean, all my conditioning was pretty good, but like the ability to handle heavy load just gone it's come it's come back relatively quickly like thanks to the you know muscle memory but when you first put a bar in your hands or on your back it like as good as it feels the next day you pay for it (laughs) humbling right yeah it's very humbling oh man yeah i still haven't i still haven't gotten my first workout in uh at the gym but i think that's gonna happen next week we'll see what what that feels like enjoy it like i know how much like it's one of those things where it's you feel like actually i should save this moment yeah (laughs) i'm being back in the gym again i'm gonna treat this like a a new i'm a trainer Uh, christmas yeah Yeah. so like i'm a new trainer i've never i've never been before i remember that especially with the mask on it's so fucking tough oh it's another it's a whole other thing with the mask on yeah are you guys are you guys supposed to wear masks all the time so at the moment we are as soon as you come into the building, mask on, temperature check. When you are around the club, mask on. When you're actually exercising and you're pretty, like, obviously pretty intense exercise, you can pull the mask down. Yeah. Take it off. But when you are resting between sets, like, once you're past that point of that initial recovery where you can actually breathe again, mm. mask goes back on. When you're moving from equipment to equipment, mask goes on when you're leaving the gym floor to go to the change room mask goes on when you're in the lounge mask goes on like basically if you're not exercising mask has to be on i think that was the original plan for us and then shit went down in california yeah because they opened up before we did well and then in georgia and and there's the clubs in florida never closed either they've always they've stayed open this whole time yeah Yeah, now it's like you just gotta wear a mask all the time you know, and I have a client of mine doing ball slams and doing sprints on the tread. I'm like, all right, dude, sorry. You know, like, and there are things they have to scale back and it kind of sucks, you know? I put my client on the air dime doing intervals with a mask on. I was like, you want to do it? You want to be back in the gym? Let's go. And I, I, they, I, one I, of the managers I, was like, I, damn, you, you're you going to strengthen his lungs. Wrong with you? <laughs> it was so like first day back. I was like, we're done. First, first day back. All right, we're going to finish on the bike. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Got him. Crazy. What kind of masks are you guys using? You so they're they give so they've um those like the I I, just, I, I don't want to say surgical but the blue masks so I yeah this one up use oh, wow, that one drama. I mean the club has given out the blue surgical ones mm. yeah that's what they're we horrible for sweating yeah, yeah they just absorb the sweat yeah um yeah I don't know I thought, like when I when I travel to so when I use the subway. Like I'll wear a cloth mask. Like I've got yeah. one, and it's got a pocket where I can put filters in, and mm. like that's oh, fine. Wow. But the first 
four weeks, maybe five, I actually went through three different types of training masks. Hmm. Uh, one was originally just a cyclist mask that people would wear whilst they're cycling on the outside. And like, it didn't really hold up to the heavy duty sweat that you would get from like a air dine session or squat session. Uh, then I invested in something else. It did get fall apart, but then I bought one of the actual altitude training masks. Um, and I wore that for the first, like for the last three weeks where I've been wearing a mask whilst I train, I kid you not any kind of intervals on the assault bike or air dining on that will have you breathing very hard. Like, uh, post a video of it now. Yeah. We want to see I it. tried warming up with the 500 meters on the, on the fuck, uh, the, the erg. And oh. I thought I was going to die. I had the mask on. I was like, what is this? I'm like, Oh my God. It was so, it was so hard. It was yeah. so tough. I mean, there were points where I had the training mask on and at least like the great thing about it is it's got the filters in and it's like the plastic mask you would wear for like a VO2 max test. So it doesn't suck in. Like when you breathe in, you don't suddenly get choked out by material. So like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay at like a certain pace. I'm going to nasal breathe. Like, we'll see how this goes. That that like every time like you breathe you'd be breathing so hard i'd breathe my nostrils shut i was just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder what kind of physiological adaptations we're gonna have from this yeah i mean like i i mean i've had this conversation with a lot of people like i don't like before lockdown i didn't believe and i still don't believe in like those altitude training masks replicating Mm. the training that you would do at altitude but what they will do is I think strengthen your respiratory muscles. So like scalenes, all those upper respiratory muscles, especially your diaphragm as well. And then improve your breathing like economy. Yeah. And I think it'll give you an opportunity to work on that stuff, which then has a knock on effect to how you breathe outside of that stress state. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. they, they breathe correctly to, to begin with. Yeah, I mean, that's, right? the, that's the first lesson. <laughs> I mean, if someone's always like, <sighs> then like, yeah, sure, we'll that's strengthen all this yeah. shit up, but then you're just going to, yeah. it's always like a hit or miss. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. I think like I was, so um, I'm sure you guys know who Jay Shetty is. Like I bought his, I bought his book and I'm reading the first chapter and he's talked about his, like his first day at, uh, at Ashram in India where he totally changed to become a monk. And he walks past his class. There's a 10-year-old teaching five-year-olds. And he goes, oh, what are you teaching? He's like, I'm teaching you how to breathe. And their, their philosophy on it was like, it's the first thing you do when you're born. And it's the only thing that sticks with you throughout your life until the last day on this earth is your breath. So you should learn how to breathe properly, how to connect with it, how to harness it, and how to use it right up until you, you die. Because that is, that is the only thing. Like, you may change country, you may change job, people will come and go from your life, but your breath will always be with you. And that's a, like, it's amazing how, like with all the research that's been done in breath work and things like, uh, I think it's Brian McKenzie coming out with, and various things, Patrick McEwing as well, coming out with the Oxygen Advantage and various books on breathing techniques, diaphragmatic breathing, which we've always done, box breathing from Navy SEALs, like how important being able to breathe properly is. Mm. Oh, and look, we're in the middle of a pandemic, which leaves scar tissue on your lungs and affects your ability to breathe for the rest of your life, potentially. Mm. 
Yeah, that is scary. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out like what happens after, like after effects. I was sick. Uh, So far, you know, I I think I'm okay. My lungs, I think, are okay for now. But I remember when I was sick in the beginning and I was getting better. I went to get the mail, and I took the stairs. I was fine going down at five flights of stairs. Got the mail, came back up, third flight of stairs, started coughing. I could not stop coughing for 10 minutes. It was just, it wow. was the worst. I don't think I've ever had a coughing fit that that bad ever. Um, so who knows? You know, who knows, I mean, depending on I, the research. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, uh, one of my clients, um, she was my first client back. Um, she's an American. She's from Kansas. But she, she ended up catching it. And it nearly killed her twice. Whoa. Uh, wow. We got put onto the high risk category and her doctor came to her. Um, she ended up having, like, she's got a, quite a tall townhouse and it's over three or four floors. Like, she really, like, it really knocked her for six. Six weeks, she was at home, unable to really do anything. She was still working crazy hours based on US time uh, schedules. And she ended up with an oxygen tank on every floor of her house. Wow. And she still has the nebulizer, which she uses every now and then. But like when she told me that story and how like it developed straight into pneumonia both times and nearly killed her twice. Like that's I was so like, scary. Fuck. My dad really had scared. pneumonia. He had a little slight pneumonia. It was, it was tough. Yeah. When you hear stories like that, you kind of think like, okay. This isn't a joke. Yeah. This is serious. And my auntie, you know, my, my auntie had it and her and my uncle were having to live and sit on like separate floors of their house. He, mm. would, he would like anti-back everything, like, anti, like using everything he could to clean upstairs and downstairs, but he would live upstairs and she stayed downstairs. Eventually they had to take her into hospital and they sent her yeah. home because they figured that her recovery would actually be quicker at home, which it was. And, you know, touch wood, thank God she's now recovered. But when you, again, when you hear stories and you live through it, it's just kind of like, I really wish people would take this seriously. Agreed. Um, yeah. Quick, quick question. Uh, in terms of, since we're on the topic of masks, um, how has the, uh, the, the sort of, you know, the, the reaction to, you know, mask wearing and, you know, people not wanting to wear masks because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. How does, how has that been in London? I mean, in New York, I think the majority of people in New York have been very good about the masks, but you always have the ones that's here and there that are like, fuck you. I'm not wearing this you know yeah it's pretty much the same like yeah. the majority of people understand it's something they just have to do if you want to be able to come in and use the gym you want to be able to go into shops you want to be able to you know travel anywhere in london like on the tube or the bus you need to wear a mask like it's one of those things now like i think we've all probably seen the memes where like you used to leave the house it used to be like keys phone wallet good now it's like pkw pkwf <laughs> yeah but it's just like okay now i've got my face mask as well and it's like there are like still every now and then people are just like i'm not gonna bother wearing it like why should i have to and it's like because it's to protect others like we're doing this for you you should wear one for us and well as it reduces your your likelihood of getting it as well it's common courtesy yeah you know, it's it's one of those yeah. things that you know, you wear it, at least, you know, when I wear it, it's, you know, to make the other person feel comfortable right. and safe, you know, regardless yeah. of what the hell the mask does. I mean, that's a whole other topic they get into, but it's like... The yeah. respect, the respect of exactly. like, I'm going to put, I respect your life 
and I'm going to make you feel at ease and yeah. hundred percent. Like that's where you think like, I didn't give all the conversations I've had with my dad during lockdown and reflecting on where we're at now and just thinking like, you know what I really hope comes out of this is that people figure out what's really important and knowing that another human's life is just as important as their own and not worrying about material objects and focusing on what is, you know, what is truly important and the essence of life. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, I wanted to change topics a little bit um, because we spoke, we kind of like brushed over it a little bit. Um, Obviously this time has gotten like given us some time to reflect. Um, And I've seen some of your writing on uh, coachjcd.com. Is that it? Yep. That's a, a shameless plug, but um, I've seen some of your writing. <laughs> yeah. um, I've seen some of your writing, and uh, I really like how you divided up, uh, or you spoke about like uh, principles of training, and then you decided to do a series on it, like highlighting uh, one quality of a principle or one principle of training, and then doing another one and another one. Um, and I really like the idea and I really love the writing that you've done so far, um, kind of for there's like selfish reasons, but I want to know, like, what's your process like for brainstorming, uh, ideas for blog posts? Um, interesting. Cause like, so part of my, like I'm the T-Rex manager at Kensington, but I'm also an EFTI master instructor. Uh, and I also teach the nutrition on the T-Rex curriculum as well. So like the theory of writing was an opportunity for me to share knowledge and sort of maintain that teacher's hat, that facilitator's hat on. uh, So I don't lose that stuff. Uh, And then I just started my website through lockdown and started writing. Uh, And when it came to it, I was like, well, let's start from square one. Like what are the things that people need to know? What information do I want to put out there? Uh, and I, I, was, I had my sister and my brother-in-law uh, who are both you know, 30 years old and just going to be like, hey, what would you guys like to read? I'm thinking about just putting out the basic information. Like, I'm going to split it up into three categories. On my website, it says mind, body, and soul. And that mind would be like the mental, like mental health, emotional health, uh, understanding growth mindset, fixed mindset, those kinds of things. Uh, and then like understanding things like trusting the process and setting goals and stuff like that. Body is obviously training. It came down to, obviously I know like that age old question, Oh, what's better for dropping body fat, cardio or weights. And I don't want to do weights for getting too bulky. And so I was like, right, well, first of all, we need to clear up that argument. Like weights and cardio depends on your goals, depends what you're after and then dive into some more of the other training stuff. Uh, but like, I'm sure you guys come across people all the time you see in the gym and you ask them about their program, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm just doing chest day or it's legs. And like, okay, so what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm doing bench press and doing, I'm doing some cable flies. So I'll, I'll do some short Friday, press. get that chest pump. Yeah. Monday, you know, Monday's international chest Monday, day. Isn't international Monday? chest day, Friday, got your arms for the girls. You yeah. know, it's, that's, like, you know, typical stuff. So, yeah, like, so, okay, so tell me, where do you get your program from? How do you write this? And like, oh, just stuff I see on Instagram. Instagram. Like, cool. Do you understand, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, do you understand why that's being done? Do you understand movement? Do you understand what you're trying to do? Like, so, you know what? I'm going to write a series 
on principles of training. If you understand these principles, you can use whatever method you like. Mm. Because, and that's something that is, that goes across the whole landscape of what we do. If you understand principles of training, principles of nutrition, principles of recovery, you can use whatever method you like. You just got to understand like the main foundations of this stuff. And that's really what I wanted to do with it all. Uh, and then soul was nutrition and thinking, well, first of all, first question you got to be is like, what's a healthy diet? You just yeah. answer that question because you get it all the time. Oh, what are healthy foods? What food should I be eating for this? Is that a good food? I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you what a healthy diet is first and then we can break down everything else from there. Um, and I've, I'm very fortunate that I work with a lot, a few people who are a lot more creative than me. Uh, and I run ideas past them and they will say, why have you been writing about this stuff before? And I'm like, okay, like that sounds like a good idea then. And I'm able to, I'm very fortunate. I've got a close group of friends who I can bounce ideas off of uh, and kind of talk about that stuff. Um, and I don't know if you saw uh, during lockdown as well, I have a, a very good friend of mine. She's a trainer at Kensington as well. She started, she started her website and she started doing Zoom calls with me. And then she put them, posted them onto her Instagram as IGTVs. And they, they, these turned out to be like two hour conversations about life in lockdown from a coach's point of view, as well as like a human point of view. And we did a huge one on like trusting the process. And so like, I know that that's a whole, that's like a whole background to a, another series that I could do. Um, and so it's just kind of really at the end of it, I want to make the basics available to everyone and then everyone can become their own coach eventually um, with having reference points and making it easy, like bridging that gap between like, okay, this is just for trainers to develop themselves and I'm putting this out there for general pop so they can understand like what training is all about and so somewhere in the middle that it provides new information for trainers with some references and studies, but enough like easy language for general population to understand it and see some evidence that backs it up. Yeah, you, because I mean, speaking on, sorry, Angel, go ahead. I'll, no, I was just going to say like, just touching on that, like that sounds like a good process and it sounds like uh, part of it is having the people around you to kind of like bounce ideas off of. Um, and for me, it's been like kind of hard to kind of take, take your brain and just say, all right, what are things that people need clarification on? Or what are things that people don't understand? But what your process sounds like, it sounds uh, like you're doing it in the right way, right? Because even that, like some people say, oh, you'll, you'll give away all the training secrets and then they won't need coaches anymore. And it's like, no, they still need coaches, but at least you're having different, more impactful converse, uh, conversations, right? As opposed to saying like, what's a good um, diet or what's, you know, what's a healthy diet or something like that. It's like, all right, well, what does diet mean to you? Like now you can have a, a better dialogue, uh, which is probably better for the industry um, on a greater scale, right? Like not only just for coaches, but for general population and everybody else. Yeah. I mean, the bet, like we'll always say that the, the, the clients that we have the most success with are those that are open to learning mm -hmm. and, Again, success comes quicker to the more open you are to learning and the quicker you pick certain things up. So if we can break down that first barrier and empower everyone with the same, with a good degree of base knowledge, 
that they can come into the gym with and say, cool, I, I know I need to do X, Y, and Z to have a good workout. A good workout doesn't necessarily mean crawling out of here, sweating, puking my guts out. Like I don't have to be hot. I don't have to question myself, but did I die? Uh, to come out of there to have a good workout and principles of carrying it home, like what can I do? If you can break down that first barrier, you like you said, you have more impactful conversations with clients, with general population, with people to be able to say like, okay, like you've got a good base knowledge. I'm going to drop this idea here, leave you to think about it. What do you think? Give me your thoughts. And we can go from there. And it leads for more empowered clients. Mm -hmm. You get your relationship is a lot better with them because you're able to have better conversations. That's true. How, how's, uh, what's one of the ways you would say it's easy for you to uh, sort of weed out a lot of the uh, misinformation that, you know, is given out there, especially on social media, especially on these uh, magazines that are, you know, of course, trying to make money by selling things that are very, you know, um, geared towards instant gratification. You know, okay. what, what's, something, what's something that you do in terms to try to get people to know what is legit rather than um, the crap out there? You have to just, I think there's a, it's still hard to break through that. I think yeah. that's always going to be there. I think sometimes you've just got to trust your gut and keep going. Um, there was a time like long ago where you used to, you used to see that stuff and it used to get me so angry. Like I used to think like that is dangerous information. How can you put that out there? Like I never got to the point where I was like trolling people and being like calling people out. It was just like, because I know my clients are going to come to me, but by the way, I see this and what do you think? And I just be like, okay, what do you think? Yeah. Can't troll them. At least not. They shouldn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, first, like when I first started, I'd be like, well, I think that rattle off stuff and just, and like let, let off steam. And as I got into this process, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. What do you think? Because, and also, I'm sorry, I didn't want to clear. Go ahead. Because it does. Because really, it all that matters is the, what's the client thinking. Because I can give them my opinion. They've already formulated in their head what they want to take away from that article or from what that Instagram post is. Or, or they, all they've got stuck in their head is the picture of that fitness model with a six pack abs, mm. or great bar, and it's just like, and they were like, I want that. Mm. So I can, give you, I can give you my, you know harvard education answer and be like well actually this this and this are, are wrong and they'll just bounce back it's just gonna go in one ear out the other. yeah well because the other thing was there's two things i kind of want to piggyback off that one when you said like that picture of six pack of apps i think sometimes one is understanding the uh the reality of we can totally get you there you might just be absolutely miserable on the whole thing like you will like you have, it's, it's pretty life changing, right? For some, for some people to, to get to that goal, it's not impossible. It just when you realize what that kind of work looks like, like we mentioned, like David mentioned like magazines or something where like men's health can tell you everything Chris Hemsworth did for the Thor films, right? It can tell you all the like exercises, but it doesn't tell you the amount of calories specifically each meal. It doesn't take exactly the number of like how much sleep. There's so many details. And then also we, we may have mentioned in previous episodes where like genetics plays so much of a role in how your body adapts to something. So like, just cause I've given you the blueprint for how he did it does not mean it's going to be the set. It's a great seller for a magazine, right? Cause you're like, Oh, I'm totally going to buy this. It's the Thor workout. But that also in line with, um, when like, if a client has the idea of like, they like this workout, well, like there's nothing 
I, I, I personally, I took a long time in this in this frame of thought to not be like, well, that's dumb, that's dumb, that's dumb, right? Because I was a little bit in the beginning, right? And I probably told David some sort of like, I still, still I still that. am a little bit, right? <laughs> but, but not still do that. more open about it. I'm like, that's dumb, whatever. But like, I mean, now, I, t- I take longer. I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. No rep. When someone's in a core rep, no like, rep. Done. No rep. No, like, but no like, or if, oh, I think, but like what you're saying as well, like, I think we can all testify that we've had the scenarios of our client when they talk us about um, an exercise or a post or a study or whatever it is. And like you said, like, one, what do you think? And then also, that that may well be very effective, but depending on what their or their ultimate end goal is, right? So like, what's the point of you doing sprints if all you want is six pack of abs, right? Like that mm-hmm. might not be specific. Whereas like, oh no, I actually want to improve my my uh, I don't know my forty yard dash or like I'm going to be doing the NFL combine, right? Like okay, so sprinting is very specific is a specific attention to detail that needs to be worked on, right? That's appropriate for the NFL draft, right? So, or the combine, sorry. So that, that like, it just has to do, I think with, yeah, we can do that crazy thing on the gymnastics rings, but you already told me you have a, a bummed up shoulder and you don't want to do anything that's going to like worsen it or like affect it. So like we can try, but based on what you've told me, I don't know if that's the right path. This is about the specifics of like what, what it, not that it's not pointless in doing those exercises or things, but like, well, what do you want to get out of it? And then where are you wanting to go with it? You know, like if they understand that, because I'm sure you said the conversations when you ask someone about a program, why are you doing it? I don't know. Cause I've always done it right. Chest. My voice is everyone's always and guilty of it too. I've always started chest with bench press, the barbell, probably like 90% of my chest workouts have started with the barbell. If it's there, you know, that's just, that's just almost like the norm, right? No one ever finishes on a barbell bench press who finishes on. Not really. Right. Normally with dumbbells. Cause you can just, totally. so, so like, just like things like that. Totally. I mean, well, is it like, do you need to have a huge back squat to build decent legs? Right. No. Do I back squat every session? Yes, because I enjoy it. And <laughs> I want to have a huge back squat. It's not because like, I think it's going to be the only thing for me to build big legs. Yeah. It, it's a great way, but there are multiple squat exercises right. that mimic the same pattern that you can do if you want, you know, no right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. It just depends on where on the spectrum you want to be. Also and like, I, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go, go, go. I was just going to say like, uh, uh, a less seasoned version of myself. Like I would run into those, uh, situations when you're with a client and they're doing back spots and they're like, ah, this kind of hurts my back or this hurts my neck or whatever. And you're just like, ah, you know, just throw a pad on it or you wrap a towel around it. it like, up. ah, it's still not comfortable. And then like, you know, you go through the reps or whatever, but like more seasoned, you're just like, well, why did I program for that for her or him? Right? Like, why does that client need to do a back squat, like a posteriorly loaded back, uh, squat? Uh, can they do a suitcase carry squat? Can they do a goblet squat? And just starting to think in that way. Same, same thing with like kettlebells. Uh, you know, every, every trainer gets their kettlebell certification and all of a sudden they want everybody to do like snatch complexes and all that stuff. And then you get ups around the back, everything. no look. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I mean, also when you think of it, I mean, a lot of, uh, I liked with my clients, at least I like to get them all to, do a back squat but i mean a lot of them are older too you know and, and that that's something that they don't some of them don't even know what the hell they want to do you know that's part and, of the issue yeah 
and at least for me, when they tell me like, Hey, I want to get stronger. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm like, okay, well you are, you know, an, an older person. And especially if you're a female, you know, you know, bone density is a big issue and just getting you stronger all in all is a big benefit. And I think giving them the options, like you said, uh, give them the idea or give them a, a something like, Hey, how, what do you think about this? Is this something you're open to? And if they're open to them, we're game. You know, I'm going to get you from point A to point B. And this is something that this is how we're going to get there. Are you down with this? No, then we'll try We'll try something else. Um, but like Angel said, you have everyone that just, you know, gets their cert and then just goes crazy. Especially whenever there's a Viper class on the weekend, I'm like Monday, Tuesday, that's all. Everyone's going to Viper's use, out. We can't even use a Viper. None left. Oh, God. Thursday, like there's, there's like a, there's a group of like trainers in London now, a lot pro, very pro Viper. Then there's like, people who are very anti-Viper and like it's it's very interesting that's a very interesting topic of conversation in London but like I totally, I totally get it like it I think one thing that has really happened like so I've been in the industry six years of which all of it has been at Equinox and I think one of the things that's really changed for me is my definition of strength hmm. and then you say like you know I've got a lot of older clients now um now I'm in tier, as a tier X coach and it's just like, what is strong? Like, do they need to have a huge back squat? Do they need to be able to deadlift whatever? I mean, in fact, the only really, the only lift I would want you to be good at is some kind of deadlift, picking something up off the floor and we just work in your range. But like, what is your definition of strength? If your definition of strength is what's your squat bench and deadlift numbers, then you will only ever have a very one-dimensional focus. Like, what is your strength like in odd positions? What is your, what is your strength in those compound lifts? What is your strength like with odd objects? Uh, like, I've started to really think about having a more rounded strength game, more like strongman style. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our clubs aren't kitted out for strongman training, but doesn't mean that you can't include certain principles. Doesn't mean I can't set up a squat rack with the safety bar and pretend I've got a yoke. Mm. Doesn't mean I can't pretend that, you know, I can set up a landmine as a deadlift and have you pretend to deadlift the car. Like it's, what is your definition of strength? Yeah. And how do you want to apply it to real life? That's because a, I'm sorry, I keep going off. Go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say, cause like I know for me, like, I don't train for a sport. I don't train for anything else. It is personally for me mentally and physically, but then I know that I don't want my parents to be doing any heavy lifting anymore. I don't want my sit. I don't want to be there when my sister says, can you help me move this? And I have to turn around and be like, sorry, I can't. It's just too heavy for me. Part of me is like, I want to be able to help you. I want to be able to help my parents do various things so that my dad doesn't have to run, run the risk of hurting his back and things like that. So it's part of like, for me mentally, but also for my family to be able to help them. I, um, yeah. That's kind of where I was going to uh, piggyback off yours and then David kind of point earlier about like, what, what does strength, what does strong look like them as well, right? Because, yeah, totally. right, like you, like you exactly what you just mentioned, right? If we talk about like our parents or grandparents or just any relatives that may be a little bit older than us, like strong to them might just mean no difficulty getting from a seated to standing position 
right? That might be, if you can do that and not have pain in your knees and like no valgus and like feel like it's not a, a pain he has to do, that might be the definition of strength. Like I have a client where we've worked on mimicking the pattern of putting the dog bowl down for dogs to eat food that we've actually mimicked that. Right. And like, sounds a little odd. Sounds like not very gym like to some clients or some people, but like if that makes the movement pattern that she does every single day, means she doesn't have pain for her. That's her value of strength, right? Like that's where she's like, if the coach or the trainer can take her movement where it is and then cue and guide her to doing patterns mm-hmm. in everyday life that she's no longer going to pain. That's, that's a, they're a definition of strength, right? Or that's what's kind of what strength looks like for them. Right. And it's, it's all different to different people, but I think it's very important. Like you mentioned, like if you ask them about their program, like that can also be where the stagnation is in their progress. Right. Well, like if you don't have, it's like, it's like just general goal setting, even for career, I think, right? Like if you don't know, if you don't have an idea of where you want to be in five, 10 years from now, or at least to kind of think about it, like, well, how is where you at right now? Is that leaning towards it? Like, and not everything's click or like that, but I think it's good for, for programming and for strength, you know, like, and that's why, like, I've definitely had scenarios of clients who told me like, oh, I did this, my dad for working out. And I was like, I don't think that's bad, but what's the reasoning behind it? And sometimes it's been, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, like, cause it feels good. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes there have been the scenario where like, I don't know, just cause. <laughs> like, yeah. right? Was there like, uh, you know, so it's, it's eye-opening. Yeah, I, I really get it. I was like um, touching on the goal setting and I'm going to shamelessly plug my own website now. Uh, I wrote an article that I posted this week about um, growth should be the goal, mm. right? We, we, and we've done all this as trainers, like, we try to step people away from outcome-based goals. So like, I want to have X percent body fat. I want to have X amount of muscle. I want to build a, this bench. And it's like, okay, so what do you need to do to get there? What does your plan look like? And that's mm-hmm. where we come in as coaches and trainers and we will help them build this plan and we will show them how it's done. And You know, we can really do that with our clients. But when you come across those people on the gym floor and you're talking to them and it's like, well, what's your program like? Okay, how are your goals going? Well, I've been doing the same program for about six months and I haven't really seen much change in the last three to four. And you're just like... Shocker. Okay. Yeah. Like, where's, like, what other processes apart from turning up to the gym five days a week, doing mm-hmm. your bro split, doing your four by eight, three by 15, etc., are you doing that is going to change? And unless you're willing to open up your mind and switch to a growth mindset to accept new ideas, you will never, you will always stay there. Mm. You will always stagnate. Right. It's yeah. It's having that conversation isn't always easiest, but I think it's just, it's like, but it's like anything in life, right? It's like with eating as well. I'm sure you do. You can testify to this as well. Where like when you have the conversation, I think it's so eye opening when like, and this is part of like learning to be a trainer. Like you said, being in the industry for six years, I think we've all kind of got a similar time frame as well, but I'll never forget at least with like some of the, some of the clients who work in like midtown Manhattan, like when they tell you what they have for lunch standard is a protein, some grain and some vegetables. And they don't do that's it. And you're like, all right, man, this guy eats pretty good lunch. You know, supposedly he has, a good breakfast and dinner. He says, Oh, sometimes I might have a drink. I'm with clients, which actually means I might have a bottle or two of clients. Right. It's kind of what it looks like. But then what that lunch, 
and here's here's the thing as well. It's like someone can describe a McDonald's as this, right? I had chicken with lettuce, a bit of bread, and some potatoes, right? They've just described a chicken sandwich and fries, and and like I've had scenarios where a client will say, "Yeah, I had this for lunch," and I'm like. There's no fucking way. If a client comes at me with that shit. I'll be like, There's okay. no fucking way. I'm all sorry. Right. What else? I was going to say, like, it's all, it's also okay. Like, I feel like there's a lot of like shaming and there's a lot of guilt. It's not it. wrong. Like, I know, but yeah, hey, Jack, it's, what's it's, wrong with you? Bro? It's, no, it's the accountability <laughs> though. It's the accountability, right? So if you're saying right. that we're doing all the work here in the gym and it's well, and we're not going the direction you want to be going and it's not shaming or blaming, but like, you're mm. just trying to, you're just trying to, like see the whole picture right and you're just trying to like get every piece of information to know like oh like is it my programming that's all off like and again i i don't have that approach in training but like fuck did you eat today you know like it's not that it's more like let's let's talk a bit about how it was and like you know what would you have done different like so they can be accountable themselves Mm. so i definitely don't want to make it sound like a shame because it's not a that's not a good way of doing it but angel you were kind of let me eat my chicken sandwich in peace jug (laughs) <laughs> and you know what i mean the equal fits i'll, I'll let angel jump on off this like at, at one point i don't know if this maybe affected my conversions it may may not have but at one point equal fits for maybe like about a year i told him i was like you know what i love oreos i have oreos like at least once a week i love pizza i have it at least once a week right but it was to the point where like i have it but i know i know to have it in a decent quantity right so i know to be okay i'll have it just once a week or that's my designated day of like just going crazy with like cheat foods or whatever but like but then Monday is reset. So, right. And just, just to make again, no, there's no shame. And I think it's a good thing. And we, we've already spoken about the, the topic of like a more, of a, more, of a, more of a journey as opposed to like a set six week kind of time frame. If you think of it as a journey, like you're going to have hiccups. It's totally doable. Right. And we had like, I mean, for David, we went out for your birthday, right? I've never had so much fried chicken in so that long. That was a lot. And oh I felt, and, I, and you know what? And I was like, I'm not having any more fried chicken for, a, guess what I had the next day? Fucking fried chicken again. You know what? Totally on me, but I like, fuck, I can't. <laughs> That's like fried chicken twice in the last like 18 hours. I haven't my, done that. My in, stomach didn't know, like the, all that fried chicken the next yeah, day. Me neither. It was horrible. Oof. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, no. So one one last question for me, at least. I I want to respect your time. I know it's late over there, but what right now that gyms are opened again? What's what's your current training uh, program? What are you doing? Uh, so before I kind of bounced around on other programs, I a lot of it was all my own. Like I still write my own program, and I bounced up a few ideas. Uh, did a little bit of conjugate, a lot of juggernaut, uh, a lot of bro stuff, uh, tried a little bit of CrossFit here and there. And then, like, but I always trained, like, thinking, right, I've got to just do as much volume as I can to get, like, a decent workout. Because my background uh, from when I was a kid was rowing and swimming uh, before going on to play rugby. And so, like, my endurance and the like the, the amount of training volume I was doing there was insane anyway. Um, but I've always kind of stuck on that. But then coming out of lockdown, I was like, no, I'm going to tackle this the way I would for a client. I'm going to rewrite this and go a different route. And at the end of the year, last year in November, I did uh, Dr. John Russin's PPSC course when they came to London uh, with, the, with Equinox. So I did it with all the guys in there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start applying some of these principles. And so I was kind of loosely 
following uh, a PPSC or a conjugate style program. But now that I'm back and I've rewritten and I'm like, cool, I'm gonna fo- I'm gonna build a program based off of like the West Side conjugate style with some PPSC uh, stuff thrown in there. Um, looking at my mobility and thinking about like how do I change these variations rather than just going from the standard like competition squat, box squats, things like that. How do I vary this stuff and start to bring in more band work? Um, so like my current program at the moment is still for, and I've always I've kind of since 2018 I've probably run the same sort of week where it's like four days lifting, two conditioning days and uh, one complete rest day. And on the conditioning days, it's mainly just like, I'm gonna do low intensity steady state stuff just to help with recovery uh, and keep my base capacity there. So like, as I don't want it to impact my lifting, my lifting was always my main thing and I wanted to build my squat and my deadlift and be strong. So then when I thought about it coming back, I was like, well, you know what, I wanna be, I've always, I think I've, like struggled over the last little bit to like put on loads of muscle. And I'm like, you know what, maybe I'm just not committing to this um, the right way. But at the same time, every time I try to do that, I end up gaining a load of unnecessary body fat and I don't move very well. I don't feel great. I always ache. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to focus on some kind of athletic performance, some kind of like strength and power and build some, build some sort of dynam- dynamic ability here. So at the moment, it is currently a max effort lower body day on a Monday uh, because all the squat racks are free, because all the bros are doing chest day. Um, Then Tuesday, I will do a max effort upper body day. Um, Then Wednesday will be a conditioning day, typically some kind of low impact. I've been using the Airdyne a lot recently, um, varying intervals. But I'm like coming back, I haven't touched an Airdyne. You took away our Airdyne. I yeah. just realized what? that today. Yeah. What? It's not at the club. Oh my god. You know what is at the club though? See the calf raise because everyone needs that. Right? Fucking a. Time out. First a. of all, you need to find out where they put that. Yeah. I'm taking them. Bring it uptown. <laughs> <I'm> taking- <laughs> Bring it on the street. <laughs> yep. Sign up. Anyway, sorry. Team carbs. Team carbs is very important to everyone. Like, hey. <laughs> That, that's oh, shit. Carb race, that's bouncing up and down. So you need that because you need to work that soleus because that's very you very visible. The soleus yeah. is the, the one of the most visible ones. You got to work on the that. fucking air bike. Seriously, I haven't seen it. Oh. I haven't seen it. Wow. That's ridiculous. Mm. That's insane. What's next to so, like, the app machine or something? So what they did, you know, where the airdyne was next to the um, uh, free motion cable pulleys, right? And then mm-hmm. you had the ski erg behind it. Now it's just a rack for the uh slam balls. Oh, balls oh man Fucking a yeah anyway that is tragic sorry anyway so anyway. yeah right uh, <laughs> so, like one of my program like so i've been doing airdyne intervals um and just building every week to do like slightly longer intervals um working on a one-to-one work rest ratio and then i will eventually start doing maybe some of the more anaerobic stuff eventually but then thursday goes back to lower body but it's more of a dynamic effort. So looking at like speed squats or speed deads, some hang cleans and things in there. Friday is a, is a dynamic upper body day. So like those two days, there's where the load is a lot lighter and I'm looking to build speed on the main lifts. I'll do a little bit more accessory work. 
because I'm not completely fried from heavy lifting. So I've got a bit more in me to do a bit more bodybuilding stuff. Um, and then Saturday is either can, is like, I will do a long walk and then I've got like stuff at home where I, cause I, I'm not working on Saturday. I will just do some stuff at home where I have a bit of fun, do some body weight stuff. But one thing that I've really incorporated a lot of recently is the high rep, high volume band work at the end of my sessions. So every lower body session or the heavy lower body session will finish with sled work on the, on the treadmills that we've got. And then the dynamic day will finish with like a hundred, 150 glute bridges with a band, hundred banded uh, hamstring curls, or maybe a hundred good morning, banded good mornings, that kind of stuff. Trying to do like those high vol- high rep sets of nothing less than 30. Uh, and then upper body session always finishes with like band pull aparts, banded face pulls, uh, banded tricep extensions, banded curls, anything like that. And I tell you what, my body feels good for it. Like just prehab, it's just general prehab and rehab. But- it's safe, safe kind of, I, I feel the safe, kind of uh pressure on your joints as well right like do you feel the pressure slowly increases the band elasticity like it's stronger like i feel yeah and, and the band and hamstring curls burn you fucking fast as well don't they they're like the first thing you're like fuck like, yeah they were shutting down the club too and you were still curling right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I saw Wait, that is that a legit story 150 band curls i've got like a 10 more to do yeah i saw the video Oh, that's for real. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it's, just, it's just funny. And it's the great thing is like, I don't know, like I know we, as trainers, we, should, we give our clients kind of like, we know we give them what they need and what they want yeah. and what they're capable of doing. But generally how I program for me, the skeleton of it will be for my clients. So I've Same. got no qualms. Like, one, I'll never give my client anything I'm not willing to do myself or have mm-hmm. fun. And I've got no qualms giving my client a band and saying, cool, 100 pull-aparts in as few sets as, as possible. And I can just set them up. I want you, I'm going to, I might sit someone down if I know they've got like excessive thoracic flaring. Mm. I want you to sit down, press your back into the bench and just pull the band apart or face pulls or stuff like that where I know they're, they're very unlikely to hurt themselves or do themselves some damage but they'll feel it yeah it's like i don't tell my clients to do burpees yeah i'm not, I'm not doing them <laughs> i can't remember the last time i've told my client to do a burpee i, I trying, uh, go ahead sorry. Uh, no all i've seen is like when i've i've done some classes or when i've done if this is in person pre-covid and even like on like i'll sometimes i'll do the the peloton app the training it's bar burn it's usually the end Burpees, I'm like, you motherfuckers, you literally find the hardest thing, you put it in last. And I've done it in growth fitness class as well. And it's just like, bro, it's like the most demanding thing on the body, and you're going to make it do when the body's completely wiped out. I'm like, hey, it's depending on your, and CrossFit, same thing. It's like, all right, you're going to, you're going to, you said you do CrossFit as well, right? You're going to, your wad for the day is going to be like 30 burpees over the bar. Then it's going to be like pull-ups and then it's going to be like some heavy snatches and, and you do you them do as many 90, times you can in 20 minutes. And you're 90, like, what the f- snatches? Yeah. I'm like, bro, what? Yeah. I Brutal. Mean, a time and a place. Like, I mean the whole CrossFit thing, right? Mm. I, I tried to do it. I tried to program for myself, but it was the one thing that I always had an issue with 
with CrossFit was when done properly, the programming can be so good. Mm -hmm. but with everyone trying to do it and not fully understanding it, yeah, it became some kind of like, let's see how much we can kill ourselves and still walk out of here. I'm like, <laughs> so every workout had burpees in it, every yeah. workout had cleans in it, every workout had snatch in it. I'm just like, cool. That's uh, a lot on the body to do yeah. every single time. And then would you say as well, like this is based on my experience with CrossFit, that I think the coaches were pretty friendly and saying like, if you have to regress, that's fine. But sometimes the people participating are like, all right, RX is 250 on the cleans. All right, I'm going to do it. And it's like, you don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's for everyone to do RX every time. Like, I think it's okay to regress it. But I think it's that part of like, I don't know if it's, have you had that experience too when people maybe should do, should do the scale back version? Yeah, and definitely. When it's like, like obviously everyone rocks in and just go like, ego is going to, I'm going to RX that. Done. Mm, mm. That's when the coach should turn around and be like, I've seen you in here before. Do you think you can RX this? And, it, and, the, and the coach should put, like, should be a seatbelt, you know, a safety belt for this stuff. And mm -hmm. like, I want people to have a good workout. I don't want people, I want people to move well. I want people to, you know, actually use the muscles we're supposed to be in, like, tar like target the energy systems that we want here. Like mm -hmm. workouts are designed in CrossFit so that you target specific energy systems, you target specific skills, you target specific movement capabilities. Well, if someone who's not capable of RXing it decides to RX it, mm. are you going to achieve any of those outcomes? And that's where the coach needs to be like, no, I need you to achieve this today. This is your workout. In order to, and yeah. Back and maybe scale it, you know? There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. There's not, yeah, there's nothing, I agree. There's nothing wrong with it. It's totally okay. And, and sometimes that can be the biggest, and, and even it's the same with injuries as well, right? Like if you have a shoulder issue or if you've had shoulder surgery, and there's like some heavy snatches in it and it's for fucking reps. It's like people are just like banging 20 out and you're like, so maybe like, so for example, I've had knee issues and when someone tried to cue me and coach me and doing different deadlift, I was like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like, this is just the best way to do it with my knee. So like, I'm not trying to be difficult. I just know that my injury history, this is the best way to do it. Right. I'm not trying to be difficult. So if you're able to, and that's something I'd always do personally, every time I go to a class or CrossFit or like some of the other things I've gone to, it's like, Hey man, if the instructor doesn't know me, just so you know, I've had knee surgeries. So like, I, I, I let, like, I don't really want to do the box jumps. I don't want to do anything like jumping involved. Like give me the regression. I'll happily do it. I'll do an extra five per leg, whatever it is. Like give me the, and I, and I put it, the, that can just be the issue is taking your ego out of it. No one thinks you're any less of a man or any less of a person, right? Like you're just, it's whatever. Like, but it's, that's probably the hardest thing is taking your ego out of it. Yeah. And I think that crosses across every platform in the gym, mm -hmm. like whatever it is, guys walk in, you know, like guys, it is typically guys because we work out and this is just a pride. It's like a lizard brain kind of thing. Like you walk into a gym you're not checking out the girls. You are checking out the guy on the bench next to you and seeing if he's benching more than you. Mm. You're checking out the guy who looked through that huge powerlifter dude in the squat rack and wondering, like, what's he squatting? And I do that. <laughs> and then you're, like, checking about, like, how much... Half reps. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're checking someone's squat depth and being, like, no rep. I could coach them. My yeah. client. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am so guilty that I'm, like, 
yeah like we've all we've all done it at some yeah. point like and when you go in there and you're like you know what this is my workout this is what i want to achieve out of this check your ego at the door mm-hmm. you get a much better workout out of it like you actually leave thinking like killed it today okay maybe something was off a little bit here but i had a pretty decent workout or whatever you actually like take more out of it than you do from it, like leaving inside the gym I think you had a really, I think I, I want to like go shortly as well, but I think one last thing I want to touch on was you had a really good quote, I think yesterday or the day before about like your body transformation. And it was something along the lines of like the, the less you checked in constantly of your progress or results, the more you just enjoy the process. Do you remember the quote? Yeah. So it was like, I'm actually like shamelessly reading it. It's still up there. Um, <laughs> like, and this was something else that I'd read and listened to in various podcasts is that actually when you, and this goes back to the outcome-based goals, the more you have outcome-based goals, the more fixated we become about the, the, the goal itself, mm-hmm. forget about the process, we forget about like what it is we're supposed to be doing. And like you get into the habit of weighing in every day, you get into the habit of doing an in-body every week, you get in the habit of like pinching and looking at yourself in the mirror every day. Like because you're so fixated on the goal, You've forgotten what the process is and what you actually need to do. Like, what are the things you need to check off to say, done that today? That's going to be one day closer to my goal, you know? And it was like, I actually, so I posted um, my transformation over the last four or five months, which kind of had happened just out of what the situation had been, my environment. It had been a reflection on my environment, controlling the controllables rather than thinking about what I was trying to achieve. So I actually had no idea how I turned up in that, that condition. And so when I went, did my in-body on Tuesday morning, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm in the same, condi- I'm in better condition than I was three years ago when I was here at this body fat level, at this muscle mass level, and I'm eating totally different. Like I'm eating, I'm enjoying my food more. I'm not, I'm not sort of holding back from carbs. I'm not stopping myself having desserts. And I'm not stopping myself like dinner with friends if I want. And it was like, I said, like, I'm beginning to notice that my best results come when I become less attached to the outcome and more attached to my own processes, giving me more consistency. And it's starting to think, okay, I wake up in the morning, I do my walk in, that's got my step count going, that's an activity, I prep my food, so that's with me, that's another check in the box, a sort of at regular intervals, no set time, just depending on when I'm training. I've trained, check. Eight the day, check. I stretch. Is this a day where I stretch and meditate or is this a day where I stretch and do my acupressure mat? Like little things like that. And I can just check them off. And yeah, there's been a week or two where I've not been, where I've not done it mm-hmm. uh, because of one reason or another. But then I've got back and I've got back onto the wagon because I know that's the process I need to do. You know, and I don't know about you guys, but like the next thing I said was like, yes, I'm educated as a coach. I understand training. I understand nutrition. And it's much easier for me to do it for someone else. As a human, you can have all the theory and all the knowledge in the world. But if you don't look inward and apply it to where you're at, rather than where you think you're at, you're never going to get there. Right. No, it's true that was something that I always like struggled with. I would always be like, Oh no, but I can do this. Like I would see basic things on like how my nutrition probably should have been. And I'd be like, 
yeah, I can do that, but I should probably do this or I should probably do that. And my mm. ego was getting in the way. Yeah. Drop that and think about, you know what? I'm going to worry less about the goal. That's going to check my ego at the door because I'm not fixated on body fat percentages or lifting certain numbers and just do what I need to do. Tick the boxes, dot the I's, cross the T's, whatever you need to do for that day and focus on that. No, for real. That's, that's, I, and again, that, that's like you just mentioned, resonate with being able to two things, right? Being completely accountable and knowing that it's something maybe you, maybe you will do, but something you know you will do. And then also um, uh, taking your ego out of it as well, right? Like if you're able to do that, I think that's, that's phenomenal. Um, I don't know if Angel or David want to ask anything else before we, because we know we've kept you on for a long time, so we appreciate you. Having... I've had a blast. I've had a blast being here with you guys. I could do this all night. Oh, uh, we appreciate that, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, and such short notice too. So thank you. We really appreciate thank you for that. Asking. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here for us. Uh, let us know where can people find out how to work with you and stuff like that. Uh, so my Instagram handle is at CoachJCD, just my initials. Uh, and so like, I'm going to post the links to my articles on there. My website is linked to that. Um, and the website is coachjcd.com. Like it's just all my writings at the moment. There is a coach JCD Facebook page as well now. So I'm linking all my articles onto there and you know what, it's just a space to start conversations with people. Um, so if people want to have conversations around training, they want to ask questions and start talking about some of that stuff. Like that's the best place to reach me. Um, grab me on Instagram and I'm happy to take any questions and chat to people. Thank you so much, man. Thank Please, you. I think if, uh, if you're interested, we'd love to have you back on in the future as well. I'm sure like when things are a little different or, or maybe still the same, like we'll, we'll see. We're, we're, us three, we're going we're gonna to go to London. We'll, we'll get a workout up there. Hey, anytime you guys are always welcome. The door is always open for you. And like, I, I mean, like Jack, you plan on being here. I plan on being in, in the States at some point. My sister lives in Atlanta. So like if I'd have gone to her, I would have flown. I would have swung by New York. Definitely. Yeah, you let us know, man. We, um, I feel like we know the city pretty well. We know all the spots. So maybe some of the, like, like these guys have been in New York like their whole life. So they know way more of the, like, the best like food spots, drinks spots. the heights, bro. Yeah, the heights. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I'll bring my list of like I'll bring my list of places that I've been to and I want to go to, and you can check me off on there. We'll take yeah. you to Dykeman. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> they know all of our spots, man. So yeah, have a good time. I was in New York when 2018. Uh -huh. uh, my sister was in Washington at the time. I went to see her for a few days, and then I did a week in New York afterwards. And I was spent a lot of time down with the guys in Tribeca. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah hang out with them some good food spots in by brooklyn bridge like doing all the classic touristy stuff uh, yeah we could there's still tons of good tourist stuff but like these guys know new york inside out and they know like we'll the take you to the stuff. real little italy the real new york. in the bronx <laughs> up in the bronx arthur ave we got you, you. yourselves to london and i will do the same for you let's Perfect. do it i'm awesome. down do that man, so thank you so much man thanks, really thanks appreciate it yeah. no guys I, I like i said i had a blast here thank you for having me and i'll be back anytime you want me Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Thank thanks, you, Joey. Buddy. All right. Thank Take you, care, man. See you soon. Take it easy. Take it easy, buddy. Bye. That was that was pretty awesome. That was pretty dope. Cool. Glad we got like to have him on such short notice and on the other end of the pond. And it's nice to know and hear his his thoughts and his adaptations through the lockdown and all the other stuff we talked about, right? 
Yeah, it was great. It was good to um, hear another T-Rex coach. Um, T-Rex manager as well, which I forgot to mention in the beginning. I forgot to mention, yeah. That's insane. I mean, sorry to crap your style, guys. (laughs) No, man, it's just, I mean, we just had Sean on. And Sean was T-Rex okay. as well. So it was, it's cool to kind of hear like theories and, you know, how he's been managing, like not only his business and like his career and all that stuff, but also personally through the lockdown and the quarantine, um, as you said, uh, across the pond. So it's very cool. structured, which is kind of cool. I thought as well, like very, it's a quality, I think, which is yeah. weird because I don't feel like I am that. So it's no kind of cool. far from it. I seem. Yeah. But I think that's one of the things that I kind of missed from that curriculum was being around those uh, like minds, like-minded people, but also like people who are respectable and people that I, I want, like I look up to and I want to emulate almost in a way. Right. So it's cool to be around people like that. Yeah. So yeah, that was awesome. What, um, what, what are you guys going to be up to this weekend? Botanical gardens. I'm what out. day are you Brooklyn. doing that Saturday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Botanical Gardens. I'm checking it out. And uh, honestly, like I've heard a lot of good spots. Uh, well, spots that are in the city, uh, speaking of tourists and tourism and all that stuff, like places that I haven't been to or I don't remember going to, like the Empire State Building, I probably went when I was a kid, things like that. Like I've heard since uh, the lockdown, these places are not very packed obviously and it's a good opportunity for people to just like revisit some places that they haven't been to or they don't remember going to uh just to check it out so botanical gardens i've only went to the one in the bronx i haven't been to the one in brooklyn so i'll see what that's like i heard good things about it too though david what about you um nothing much i'm gonna be with my parents tomorrow uh just hanging out a little bit and then sunday I'm going to go hang out with a buddy of mine and like a couple of other buddies. His brother got drafted to the Panthers. Oh, I, um, yeah. James's brother, right? James, yeah. So it's Jeremy Chin. So he, he plays for the Panthers. And Is he a lineman? First game. I don't freaking know. Yeah, I feel like he's either – I feel when he got drafted, he posted on Facebook. And he's a, I feel like he, he's a big dude, right? He's a fucking monster. A big dude. mofo. Yeah. yeah oh, so they're going to watch the first game? He's a safety. Um, yeah, oh, he's no, a safety? Yeah, no, we're going to – Oh yeah, he's gonna knock some heads. No, yeah, um, we're gonna go watch the game uh, somewhere. Uh, Who are the Panthers playing? Um, I could find out right now. Oh, it's like And Giants are playing on Monday. It's crazy that it's football season already. Yeah. Did you they guys see people, how? They had uh, yeah, people so, on the stands, right? But did you hear how they booed the national anthem or the moment, the the Black Lives Matter part? Did you guys oh, see that? Fucking, no. no. Wow. So the 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 to tell you the truth, I was watching the game and I put it on. Like I was probably on. I think I I had grocery shopping right before the game, and so I'm I have it on. And I'm doing stuff, and then my buddy this morning sends me the videos of them booing, and I was like what he goes yeah this mm. happened i was like oh but i watched it how did i know? so i obviously missed it but i'm like wow so houston they set out the national it. anthem as well they were houston, houston didn't out. even come out for the national anthem they stayed inside and then the you're right though angel they may have there's chances they may have cut it out but pretty much they booed during the uh like like both teams after the anthem like kind of came together for a moment of silence and uh, there was booing yeah from the crowd wow 17 it's crazy what they got to do is fucking find these find these people there like come on you're on national television as well. So it's not like there's not that many of you there, 16,000. It's not like there's like 70, 80,000, right? But like you're on national television. What? Like that is some people, I think in this pandemic, this whole lockdown, people have really 
shown their true colors, unfortunately. Unfortunately, right? You know now, but it's just so it was it was interesting. It's just mind blowing. Gee, like you think there's you think there's like movements in the right direction, then you see little things like that. And I saw a crazy stat the other day as well. Like there hasn't been a starting white cornerback in the NFL since two thousand and three or something. Cornerback. Like C B defensive back. Is right? that still mm. a position? Yeah. So like the defensive back. I think Satan they're not safety because you get like Y safeties, but like so that but it but the point I'm just trying to make is that like things are changing and you hope everyone everyone follows suit, but and they're playing the Raiders by the way on Sunday. Yeah, I just saw it. Oh, so that's what I'm doing. Uh Jacques, what are you doing? Um I got uh, my boys are playing game four. Who? Uh, the Islanders in the. Oh, I heard it's this... like they're the underdogs now, right? Yeah, but dude, they were like on Monday night. So what I'll tell you this, this as well. This is game three tonight and game four okay. Sunday. But game one was Monday night, and uh, as I mentioned, I did a shoot three corner hawks, which was like. I don't know if you guys saw my story of the view or the room. Do you guys see that? No. The room was so basically. Guess not. But long long story short, they had us like staying in the residency they filmed some things to show for the for the app like in-home workouts of how a person be in home but the room they have you staying in was like the view the glass like glass from like from the, from the floors the ceiling it's overlooking hudson yards a whole of downtown it's i was pretty stoked i was a little sick by it must be down. nice must be nice must, must be, be nice, nice. <laughs> and then we finished by filming in the club like after 8 p.m and like it was dude it was a pretty decent gig but anyway that same night the Islanders are playing game one. I was like, damn, like I'm not missing it. And you know what? It's a blessing in disguise. Cause I looked at the thing at like 8 30 or down 3 1. I checked it back at like 10 30. These bros, they lost 8 2. 8 2 is a shit kick in. Wow. So yeah. And then lost 8 2 in the game one. Yeah. Like and Barcelona like, and Bayern, man. Yeah. Eight, 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 at eight, at eight to be you. Eight to be you right now. So, but this weekend is going to be pretty low key, I think. Um, I think people are also reaching out more about training. So kind of seeing how that, like getting to a point where like after like move things. So, but it's good. NFL season being back is definitely like, it's weird though, right? Because I know some states are going to have fans. Like we mentioned Kansas City last night in uh, Missouri, I think, right? They're in the state of Missouri. And um, MetLife will have no fans the whole season. Good. So... But I know there'll be fans in, and uh, like I think you know what the they should do. And... You know what they do. You know, I mean, Jack. You know what they do in, in like like uh, Bundesliga or oh, what would or do La Liga or Premier League. Like whenever fans are fucking are being assholes, they just make it a in in, in a, a closed stadium game. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we'll see. But um. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Let's wrap it up, guys. Make sure to like and subscribe to everything. And uh, check out Jonathan at coachjcd.com. And check out the trainer feed at thetrainerfeed.com. Cool. All right. All right, guys. Peace out. Have a good one. Bye.